Thank you, Brother Ron. And uh, thank you, Chase, uh, for uh, sharing that with us. I learned a long time ago, I was a youth pastor for 14 years, when the speaker asks for a volunteer, you want no part of it whatsoever. Uh, I learned that some of the craziest things happen when somebody volunteers for something. And uh, Brother Carl had to learn that lesson almost the hard way. But uh, we're glad everything worked out for him there. Uh, what a blessing it is to have Brother Paul Foradora with us tonight. Brother Paul, it's great to see you, and uh, we welcome you. And uh, Brother Paul, of course, has been dealing. Yeah, give him a round of applause. That's great. And, um, you know, we're just a big old family in here, and so one of, one, one of, one of our own returns. We rejoice. And uh, Brother Paul, of course, has been dealing with health issues and and a treatments and, and a feeling, I guess, well enough to be here tonight. And so we're thrilled about that. Been a while since you and your wife have been able to sit together in a service. And so uh, we're, uh, we're, we're excited uh, about that and glad to have you here. Uh, this has been the weirdest stretch for me and my schedule since I became pastor. And uh, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here tonight. I mean that sincerely. Um, it has been several weeks since I've been able to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night here at our church. And of course, part of that was some vacation. And, uh, and then some of that was, uh, was, again, I'd been asked to preach in a family conference, and I sort of was under the assumption, never make assumptions, but I was sort of under the assumption they'd only meet me Monday through Wednesday. And uh, when I talked to the pastor, I said, man, I, I haven't been at Cleveland Baptist as much as I want to be. And, and I said, can I, you know, and he said, no, I really need you to be here on that Sunday night. And so that's why I wasn't here last Sunday night, but I am here and you're not getting rid of me. You're stuck with me and I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward uh, to uh, this next season of ministry, lots of things planned. I wanted to let you know, we mentioned this this morning, but on Sunday night, August the 6th, we will observe the Lord's table as a church family. And as I said this morning, we, uh, we have a really two times every year that it's sort of written into our calendar. We, do, we observe the Lord's Supper on the Wednesday, or I should say actually the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and we adjust our midweek service on that night. And then we uh, always observe the Lord's Supper on the Wednesday before Easter. And then uh, you as a church allow me, as a pastor, sort of this the prerogative to maybe, uh, maybe to insert it at just some other points as we feel necessary and, uh, of course, I, I want you to be aware that our church's 65th anniversary is on the horizon. And uh, we'll be celebrating that as a church family the second weekend of August. And uh, lots of things that will be going on around here. You'll want to be a part of all of it. It's going to be a wonderful weekend. But I felt like the Lord was impressing upon me that we observe the Lord's Supper on that Sunday prior. So Sunday night, August the 6th, at the 6 o'clock p.m. service, that service will be given over to the Lord's table. And, um, and you, you really, when you think about it, as you study the Bible, you'll, you'll find that the Lord's Supper, it, it purifies a church and it unifies a church. And I just feel like that would be uh, necessary for us as we move into uh, finishing, really, our 65th year of ministry and beginning our 66th year. And so I wanted you to be aware of that so that you could come and participate, as I know most of you are in the habit of being here on Sunday night anyways. And so I hope that uh, you'll make plans uh, to, uh, to just you know, write everything else off your calendar, if, if humanly possible, and, and be here for that night if you're a member of this church. Let's take our Bibles and go to Acts chapter number two, please. The second chapter in the book of Acts is where we're going to find our text. And uh, we're going to finish a message that we began all the way back on June the 11th. I told you it's been a while since we were in a, in a normal Sunday morning, Sunday night habit, pattern, routine. By the way... By the way, I'm so blessed with the, uh, the men who stood and preached God's word while I was out. And uh, I, I listened to some of the messages myself, 
And, uh, and I heard uh, several, several reports from you all just how blessed you were by the preaching. Uh, Brother Jenkins preached a powerful message on that Father's Day Sunday night, June the 18th. And then uh, Brother, uh, Brother with Sam and, and Brother Tom and Brother John. And, and uh, just, uh, just, uh, just so blessed and encouraged by folks who can stand and open God's word and proclaim, uh, thus saith the Lord. And so uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I'm also grateful, again, to be back with you tonight. Acts chapter number 2, look in verse number 1. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The title of the message that we're going to complete, Lord willing, tonight is, comes from that fourth verse where the Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And of course, you see our theme this year is by my spirit. And of course, the Spirit of God is the same person as the Holy Ghost. And so when you see one, you're understanding, okay, that's a reference to the same person. He has perhaps different titles, different, uh, different terms, but he's the same person. He is God. And The Bible is clear in this New Testament age in which we're living that anything of a spiritual nature that is going to be done, it must be done by God's Spirit. And of course, we look at the book of Zechariah and we understand that uh, the book of Zechariah reveals that God had commanded or commissioned his people to rebuild the temple, a, uh, a monumental task for them to complete, and a task that they really had put off time and again. Uh, they did not want to revisit that temple mount, and they did not want to pick up the, the, the tools once again and, 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 and the, uh, the, the, the materials needed for rebuilding the temple. Uh, they had made every excuse in the book, and, and the reason for that is, is because they understood that they were incapable of rebuilding that building. They, they couldn't do it. They had tried in the past. They had not been successful. Not only were they incapable because they were a a small group of of people that had returned to this land, but in addition, there were adversaries, as there always are adversaries to the work of God. And they had been down that road before, and the adversaries had shut them down, and they wanted no part of of, of trying to revisit that work and rebuild that temple. They They just said, don't ask us to do that. And yet God came to them, and God said, you are going to rebuild the temple, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it by my spirit. So what's the answer for adversaries? Spirit of God. What's the answer for inabilities, uh, physical inabilities, human inabilities? The answer is the Spirit of God. You must know, you must know that I am completely and totally incapable of doing the work that God has called me to do. Say, well, why are you trying to do it? Why are you trying to accomplish it? Why have you entered into the race then? Because God's told me if you'll, if you'll trust in my spirit, then we can, we can get some things done here. Can I say, church family, we are incapable of doing the work that God has called us to do, living holy lives and preaching the gospel so that everyone within, uh, within a, a distance of this church knows that there is a Savior and his name is Jesus. And, and you might say, well, then why do we even bother? Why do we even uh, try to get in the race, as it were? Yeah, you can't do it. I can't do it. We can't do it collectively except, except for we rely upon the Spirit of God. 
That's really where it is. And so we're looking and we're understanding, okay, the Old Testament, it was rebuilding a temple. And it couldn't be done. A physical structure, it could not be done but by God's Spirit. The New Testament age that we're living in, it's not so much about building a building. Now, churches do build buildings. It's been a while since we've, we've built a building. The buildings we have serve us well. We're trying to move forward in a, in a, in a, in a, in a structure, a pavilion, but that's really not what we're, that, that's not really what we're focused on. That's not really what our emphasis is. No. In the New Testament, God is building lives. He's building churches. He's building homes and families and marriages. And how does he do that? He's, he's building, he's building a group of people. And here's how he does it. He does it by his spirit. So, so maybe the mission looks a little bit different, but the power source is still the same doesn't change. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who does the work. And, and, and he does it through his, his Holy Spirit. He does it through the Holy Ghost. And understand, understand, as we talked about several weeks ago, the Holy Spirit of God fills people who prioritize unity. He fills people who prioritize unity. Verse number one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We're not going to rehash all of that. But understand that I believe that this statement is not just a throw-in sentence. This, this means something. This matters, as it were. Say, so why, why does this matter? I believe it matters because I, I believe you find in the Scriptures, you find even in our own lives by experience, that if we lack unity, there's something else that we're going to lack, and it's very important. We will lack, we will lack the power of the Holy Spirit. Unity is essential. The Apostle Paul writes, and, and, he, and, he, and he says, listen, I want you to be like-minded. I want you to prefer one another. I don't want you to do anything through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know what that is? That's unity. The Holy Spirit of God requires, requires unity if, if we are going to be filled. And we talked about some hindrances to unity. Pride is a hindrance. Disagreement can be a hindrance to unity. And then we talked about essentials for unity. We talked about togetherness in spirit and togetherness in place. All of that, again, we dealt with on Sunday night, June the 11th. Let's, let's notice number two as we move along. Let's notice number two. The Holy Ghost's arrival featured supernatural signs. So we said that the Holy Ghost filled people that prioritized unity. So how are we doing in that area? Are we harboring some ill will, some bitterness, some, some thoughts about some other brother or sister in Christ that's a part of this fellowship. Listen, you and I cannot be spirit-filled so long as we're holding on to those things. The Bible says that a root of bitterness, that it can spring up in us, and the Bible says that it troubles us, and by it, listen, by it, many people are defiled. Now, what does that defilement mean? It could mean a host of different things. But what if, what if it meant, what if it meant that as a church we lacked the power of the Holy Spirit? Because of bitterness that people are holding on to, that they're clinging to, that they're, uh, that they're holding on to like a, uh, like a football player would hold on to a football as he's trying to advance uh, the ball down the field, that sometimes we as Christians, we can hold on to a spirit of bitterness and we can determine nobody's going to pry this out of my hands. So does that matter? Absolutely it matters. It's going to trouble you. And it can matter because by it, many, perhaps of us, can be defiled. 
Because we lack the Holy Spirit. So we said that unity is essential. That, that, that those who prioritize unity can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But notice we discover secondly about the Holy Ghost's filling in Acts chapter number 2. Which by the way is the first instance that we discover of a group of people being filled by the Holy Spirit at one time. And, and because of that, because it's the first mention of this, we learn some really, really powerful lessons here. Notice, notice secondly that the Holy Ghost arrival featured supernatural signs. Now... Let's look at them together. The arrival of the Holy Ghost was evident in the room. It was abundantly clear something is going on here. Something unusual is happening. Something is transpiring. There is a presence here that is not merely a human presence. They they knew it. There There was no mistaking this. It was abundantly clear to everyone. Now, how did they know that? Well, because some unique things took place in the room that day. Now, now we had we had Brother Chase here just a minute ago, and we use a term. We use the term illusions, and there's a reason why we use that term. Some, sometimes, maybe in years past, we used to call it magic, and magic sort of has a sort of has a I don't know. It has a weird undertone to some people, right? Start talking about magic, and maybe we start to think about you know the. You know, maybe is there something going on there that you know that we don't know of? Is there something happening there? And uh, and, and so as a result, we we use we use the term illusion. But as we as we stood here and we watched him, every one of us thought, "Man, that's really cool. I wonder how he did that." And you can ask him after the service. And if he's like any other illusionist I've ever met, he's going to look at you and say, "You will never get that secret out of me." Right? They don't tell their secrets. They're not allowed. That's you know, that's part of the that's part of the illusionist uh, code of, of ethics or code of conduct. Right? Not gonna. I'm not gonna tell. But we understand. We understand. There's nothing. There's nothing spooky going on here today tonight. I don't know how we did it. Maybe the, maybe the paper was weighted. I, I don't know. Something was, something was going on. Something was happening. We, we don't sit here and say, oh, man, some, you know, some spirit came and whispered in his ear that it was envelope number three. Don't you dare destroy envelope number three. Or maybe we'd sit here and say, you know, well, you know, there, there wasn't anything happening. Like, you know, suddenly they destroyed the original $100 bill, but miraculously something happened mystically that formed a new $100 bill that's just as good as the last one. We understand, no, it was just, it was just a trick. It was just an illusion. I, I don't know how it's done, but there's a way that it's done, right? This is not what we're talking about here. Th- this, isn't some, this isn't some clever illusion to get, everyone, to get everyone to think, whoa, something's... No, no. what was happening here was real. And can I just remind you, listen, can I just remind you, the spirit world is real. It's real. Whether, whether for good or for evil, it is real. And the devil, listen, the devil, wants, the devil wants to have control of you and of your family. But listen, listen, so does the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wants to have control of you and your family. And by the way, when we allow the Holy Ghost to fill us, we allow the Holy Ghost to, uh, to, 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 to come into our homes, listen, it is beautiful and it is blessed. When we allow the devil to have access in any number of ways, listen, it is, it is brokenness and it is destruction and it is devastation. Something happened here. What, what happens? Well, look with me in verse number two. The Bible says that suddenly or instantly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So what happened? They all heard something. They heard something. Where did they hear it from? It came from heaven. It came from above. Something was settling in from above. It was coming down to them. And it sounded like a rushing, mighty wind. You know what that sounds like. 
You've, you've been around something like that before. There was, a, there was a stirring. They all heard it. But notice verse number three. Then look what happens. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. So in verse number two, they're hearing something. And in verse number three, now they're seeing something. What are they seeing? The Bible says that they're seeing uh, cloven tongues like as of fire that sat upon each, each of them. We assume it sat upon each of their heads. Kind of, kind of as they, they sat there, they, they hear this sound of a rushing mighty wind from above and as they start looking around what is that where's that sound coming from all of a sudden they look at across the aisle or they look across the room and there's 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 like a a little thing of fire that is that is above that person's head and but it's not just above their head then it's it's above his head and i wonder i wonder if it's above my head and i don't know whether they had mirrors in those days but perhaps maybe they went and they looked in a mirror maybe it was maybe it was not something that could be seen in a mirror i I don't know, know all that there is about this but supernatural things are happening how you know that's how you know the holy ghost is around because because when he comes listen when he comes supernatural things take place notice verse number four something else happened they heard something they saw something notice in verse number four now they're able to do something that they had never been able to do before look what it says it says in verse number four and they were all filled with the holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What a miracle. Um, I understand that, that many people have been confused by this idea of speaking in tongues. I really, at least in this instance here in Acts chapter number two, I think a pretty, it's pretty obvious that this was not gibberish. This wasn't, this wasn't mumbling, making stuff up on the fly. It's pretty obvious as we move further into the chapter that these are actual languages that the Holy Spirit of God is giving these individuals the ability to communicate in. And that is valuable, really valuable. I remember the first missions trip that I, uh, that I ever took with a group of teenagers. We went... Uh, Mrs. Mack, you're here tonight. We went to the Ivory Coast in 2001. I remember the people were so kind and they were so thrilled that we were there. But I just, I just, it was just, it was just hard because we could not communicate with one another. And I remember sitting in the services and, and Brother Mac standing there and him uh, preaching in French and, and, and even having opportunity to preach. And of course, you'd say your little line and then he would, then he would repeat that line in French. And, and there just seemed to be a barrier there. And, and, and I, I remember thinking to myself, man, I wish I knew how to speak, speak French. At the very least, I wish I could understand it. I learned, I learned one, one phrase. I learned merci beaucoup, right? That means, I think that means thank you. Merci beaucoup. I still remember it all these years later. That's all I remember. <laughs> I don't know anything else. I know just enough to be dangerous, right? But, but I, I thought to myself, oh, how, how awesome would it be to be able to speak French or to be able to understand French? But I can't do that. I'd have to spend years. I'd have to, I mean, I'd have to spend years in some type of a classroom to learn a foreign language. At the age of 44, I think that ship might have already sailed already. I, I don't know. But I'm just simply saying it would, be a, it would be a labor for me of years before I could communicate effectively in a language. And yet, and yet in this instance, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit filled the room and he gave them an ability that they, that they did not have, they did not have themselves previously. And the ability was that they were able to communicate in tongues in languages that they had never studied, that they had never been able to speak, but now all of a sudden they were communicating in that language. 
Now this caused me to ask some questions as I'm studying this and I'm reading through this and understanding that, again, this is the first mention of the Holy Spirit of God filling a group of people at one time. It's the church. We're the church. What lessons can be, can be learned from this? And so here's the question I asked. The question is, does the Holy Spirit of God still produce the supernatural in a life when he enters into it? Some of you are looking at me like, we're not sure. Does he? Yes or no? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. Now here's, here's what the world focuses on. The world focuses on physical miracles. Physical miracles are, are unique. And they are powerful. And they are they're great. But I'm here to tell you, listen, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit of God in the day and age in which we're living does something much, much more beneficial and valuable than just work physical miracles. Does he, does he, produce, the, does he produce the supernatural in life when he enters into it? Absolutely. But, but let me remind you this. The Bible is full of people being healed of sicknesses and diseases, even being raised from the dead. But I've said this before. You've heard me say this before. In every one of those instances, eventually, those same people got sick again. They did. It may may not have been the exact same sickness, but something got them. Those that were raised from the dead, we'd say, man, that would be so cool. Yeah, it'd be really cool until you realize, i got to die a second time. I don't even want to die once. Now i got to die twice. I thank the Lord every day for the resurrection, the time that he gave me. But then I realized, wait a minute, i got to do this all over again. Listen, the change, the change, the physical change that we read about in the scriptures is significant. And it does reveal the power of God. But it was temporary. The spiritual work of the Holy Ghost, listen, it is superior today because, listen, it affects eternal change in the individual that, it, that is impacted by it. And that makes it, listen, that makes it so much better than any physical miracle you and I could long for. In our prayer meeting this morning, we, we, we take prayer requests. And, it, and it's like this in every prayer meeting. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. I lead the way in this. But almost, without exception, every prayer request was pray, pray for this person. They've got a physical ailment. Pray for this person. They're, you know, they're going to have surgery. They're going, going through treatments. And by the way, some of, you, some of you sitting in here this evening and some of you watching online, we prayed for you this morning. We prayed for you this morning. I think there's power in prayer. But you know, a couple of men raised their hand. One of our men raised his hand and he said, I've been... I've been working with a man that I've worked with for a lot of years, and he's always been hardened to the gospel. Yesterday I had a conversation with him, and he, and he, allowed, me, he allowed me to share the gospel with him. He listened to me as I shared the gospel with him. And here's his prayer request to pray. Pray that he'll trust Christ. He didn't accept Christ yesterday. I told him. I, I warned him. Hey, listen, you know, the, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. He didn't accept Christ yesterday, but pray that he trusts Christ soon because he's very, very sick. He's probably going to die soon. And, and, and I thought to myself, I thought to myself, now that, that's, that's it right there. Another man raised his hand, and he said this. He said, pray that, pray that we could be more godly. Pray that we could be more holy and more righteous. I thought to myself, that's it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for your ailments, your loved one's ailments. Please, please, the Bible's clear. We bring those, those things to the Lord just as we bring everything to the Lord but I'm afraid, listen, I'm afraid there's far, far too much of us focusing on the physical and not enough of us focusing on the spiritual. 
When was the last time? When was the last time you fell on your knees and you said, God, make me more like your son, Jesus Christ? When was the last time you fell on your knees and you said, Lord, help me, help me this week to lead someone to your Savior, Jesus Christ. Help me, help me to make an eternal difference in the life of someone. Does the Holy Spirit of God still do the supernatural? The answer is yes. Here's the question. What supernatural things does the Holy Spirit of God do when he comes into a life? Number one, he saves lost souls. He saves lost souls. The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, and 6, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Did you catch that? And renewing of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost of God is involved. He's involved in your salvation. He's involved in it because he's God. He has a role to play. And when he enters a life He does something supernatural. He saves a lost soul. Every one of us that are saved here tonight, every one of us, we we were in this life, and the Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You know what that means? It means we were dead. I don't need need some some Greek lexicon to help me explain that. You and I were dead. We were headed for a Christless eternity in a place the Bible calls hell. We were in trouble. But then we heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and he gave us faith to believe and we repented of our sin and we placed our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God renewed us. He washed us. He made us clean. You are not the same person that you once were if you've been saved. Does he do something supernatural? You better believe. You say, you say well, I, I've never met anybody that's had anything supernatural done. If you're saved tonight, every time you look in the mirror, you're looking at someone in which the Holy Spirit of God did something supernatural in their life. Every time. Every time. Saves lost souls. He's involved in a new birth. We're going we're gonna to take the gospel to the streets this week. Hundreds of thousands of invitations and Gospel presentations are going, to, are going to be left in people's hands and at people's doors. And it is not unrealistic for us to expect that God would give us a harvest. But listen, there's no harvest without the Holy Spirit of God's filling. We're wasting our time. We're going to spend, as a church, we're going to spend thousands of dollars this week. By the way, we, we budget for it. We put it right into the budget. Something that we, we believe needs to be done. I, I'm, just, I'm standing here before you tonight. I'm standing here before you tonight because as a young man, my life was changed in a smite campaign. That's why I'm here. That's why, I, that's why I do what I do. Now, there's other factors. There were other things that God did in my life, but I'm telling you, God worked in my heart as I stood and I looked at, 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 at children that we did not know at the beginning of the week, and now we have, we have developed an eternal bond at the end of the week, and, and God has allowed us to share the gospel with them, and they have repented and they have believed, and some of them, I was just, I was just in a church uh, uh, just, just the other day, I forget all the places I've been, but I was just in a place where we had done smite. And, uh, and, and, and the pastor stood, and he said, there are children that are still attending this uh, Norwalk. I was there for the family conference. I, I can't even remember where I've been half the time. And the pastor said, there are children that still attend this church because Cleveland Baptist Church brought the Smite campaign in 2019. Now some, some of us, we go back to the 90s. Some of you, we won't say who you are, but some of you go back even further than that. 
And it's easy for us, it's easy for us, because we remember, we remember days in which maybe more things were happening. Sometimes we lament, oh, if we could just live in those good old days again. Can I just remind you, none of us are living in those good old days. Those days are gone. But I also want to remind you, God is still at work. It, it, may not, it may not be to the, to, to the same uh, numbers as it once was, but I just want you to know something. If you'll put the plow in the ground, and if you'll do a work for God, and you'll be spirit-filled, God will still use you. God still wants to use us, church. He does. Brother Chase do his thing, and I just sit out there for one reason. I'd sit out there to see who's going to raise their hand when the invitation is given. You may watch the, those workers, those they're like, like, they're like busy bees, man. They're, they swarm on those kids. Why? Because they want to lead a soul to Christ. Man, they grab one of those kids. They take them out into a private area, a room or uh, outside where they can be, be away from some of the distractions. And they share the gospel with them. Some of you, some of you ought to come just to see that. Why? Because that's the Holy Spirit of God doing something Supernatural. That's a miracle taking place. That is a lost soul that is forever, is ever, forever and ever being changed. That is someone who is dead in their trespasses and sins, who is being raised to new life, not just new life, but eternal life forever and ever. And by the way, if you're here tonight, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. But listen, Jesus can change your life. And he uses, listen, he uses the Holy Spirit of God to do it. He does the supernatural when he saves a lost soul. But listen, he doesn't just save lost souls, but he changes lives. He changes lives. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and verse number 16, this I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. A little bit later in that same passage, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there's no law. I hope I don't embarrass him tonight. But just before the service, I was standing in the back. I was talking to Brother Adrian, and I was talking to Brother Wayne from. And we talked a little bit. Brother Adrian and Brother Wayne grew up not far from one another on the streets of the inner city of Cleveland. Now, Brother Wayne is a little bit older than Brother Adrian, but you wouldn't know it. You, you wouldn't know it by looking at them. I'm just teasing. I love you, Brother Adrian. He's, he's listening back there. But listen, listen. You, some of you need to hear this man's testimony. You hear the way he the way he lived before he came to know Christ. It, it, it's it's pretty impressive for all the wrong reasons. Listen, listen. When when Christ Jesus saved this man's soul, changed him forever, and he's not the same. He's not the same man. I don't even know all the stories. I think I think some of the stuff he's he's not even telling me because if 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 I, he told me, I might I might be scared of him. But listen, listen, God changed his life. That's just one man in our church. Some of, some of you are sitting here saying, well, he didn't mention my name, but God changed my life too. Man, I was a mess. I was an absolute disaster. And by the way, some of you are sitting here saying, well, God never changed my life that way. Guess what? He kept you from living that kind of life. He kept you, he kept you off of that road, off of that path, and you ought to fall down on your face every day, and you ought to thank God for it. Do we, do we believe that that I, I can just lay hands on somebody and through the power of the Holy Spirit I can lift them up off of their bed of affliction. I, I can pray for them. God's will isn't always to heal and I don't have divine power to heal. Do we believe, do we believe that, that being filled with the Holy Ghost gives us the ability 
speak foreign languages, never studied. Listen, listen, uh, brother and Mrs. Mack, missionaries out of our church, others, others, but I, the, Mrs. Mack's here tonight. Listen, those, those two folks are spirit-filled, no doubt about it. But they had to spend two, two years probably or more in a, in a learning center trying to learn the French language. Why? Because, because the Holy Spirit of God doesn't, doesn't work that way anymore, but that doesn't mean he doesn't do things supernaturally. He certainly does. When he saves lost souls and when he changes lives. If you're here tonight, and you've been saved, then God's done the supernatural in your life. And if you're here tonight and you say, man, I, I don't know all that Brother Wayne lived through, and I don't know all that this person did or that person did, but here's what I do know. I do know what I was like before I got saved, and I can see what I'm like now, and I can see fruit of the Spirit evidenced in my life. Then listen, understand this. He has done the supernatural in you. Number three tonight, and we'll be finished. The Holy Ghost filling resulted in boldness and power to declare the gospel. Verses 5 to 47, we, we're just going to touch on a few things here and we'll be done. But can I tell you that, listen, when an individual is filled with the Holy Ghost, there will be a desire, an insatiable desire, an unquenchable desire within that individual to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They just can't help it. And I sort of liken it to when two people fall in love. And they get around one another and it's just obvious. Man, those two, those two, those two love each other and they're not ashamed of it. They're not ashamed. They're proud. And I love her. I love him. I, God, if God allows, we want to spend the rest of our lives together. And we're not ashamed. I'm not, I'm not hiding this from anybody. Listen, you get spirit-filled, and you will not be ashamed of your Savior. You will have an insatiable desire to proclaim his gospel. Jesus said that the Holy Ghost would glorify him. So it is not unreasonable to see an individual filled with the Holy Ghost having an ever-increasing desire to preach the name of Christ to others. That's the natural outflow. Because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit of God will not come to glorify himself, but he'll come to, to glorify me. He doesn't come to speak about himself. He comes to speak about me. So therefore, therefore, those of us who've experienced his filling, then we must understand, if the Holy Spirit of God exists solely to, to direct people to Jesus and to glorify Jesus, then those who are filled with the Holy Ghost will also have a similar one desire of pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are sitting here saying, and I, 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 haven't, I haven't won somebody to Christ in years. And to be frank, I haven't even really had much of a desire to do that. You know what you're, you're telling on yourself, and here's what you're saying. You're saying, I've not, I'm not spirit-filled. Because those who are spirit-filled, they, they have an unquenchable desire within them to proclaim the gospel. Notice, 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 first of all, those filled with the Holy Ghost never make it about them. It's not about them. It's not about them. Would you look in verse 6 of Acts chapter 2? Now, when this was noised abroad, words getting out, something unusual is happening in that room with those 120 people. The multitude came together, and they were confounded. They were perplexed, confused. What's happening here? Because that every man heard them speak in his own language, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Now, now there's a, here's a moment. Here's a moment for these people. Because this group of people had been marginalized. Talk about marginalized people groups. Listen, listen, these people have been marginalized, but now, now, this is their day. This is their day to stand up and say, yeah, see? See, we were right all along. You, you made fun of us, and you persecuted us, and you even, you even crucified us. Now look at us. Look what we can do. Is that their spirit? Is that their attitude? 
They could have turned this into this being about us. Look, look what we're able to do. I bet you can't do this. How much time did you spend in a language school? Not a single day. Well, how, do you, how are you able to speak Greek? How are you able to speak Spanish? How are you able to speak French? How are you able to speak Swahili? Whatever the language. But notice, notice, they didn't make it about them. Would you look in verse 14? But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Okay, Peter, you're getting ready to take your victory dance. You're getting ready to celebrate how this is your day. This is, this is something you can do that nobody else can do. Okay, we were wrong. There's something, there's something here. That's, 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 not, that's not what Peter's about to say. He says, these, these are not drunken. We're not drunk. Seeing it's but the third hour of the day. No, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You know what he's doing? Already he's directing them back to the Bible. He's directing them back to the Bible. Listen, Joel, Joel wrote about this. You know, you know your Old Testament. Joel prophesied. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. You know what he's saying? He's saying, this, this doesn't have anything to do with us. This is, this is the Holy Spirit's doing. We're just, we're just, we just happen to be at the right place at the right time, and, and, and we happen to be followers of Christ. God is doing this. Notice, notice, look at verse 21, look how he finishes the introduction. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here tonight saying, I want to be spirit-filled so I can do something nobody else can do, well, then you're way off, and you're never going to be spirit-filled. But if you'll fall on your face before the Lord, then you'll say, dear God in heaven, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you, would you pour your Spirit upon me? And not for my sake, but for your honor and for your glory. You, listen, you can experience the Holy Spirit of God's filling, and, and you can take that to the world and win a world to Christ. Those filled with the Holy Ghost never, never make it about them. One of the ways you know someone's not filled with the Holy Spirit of God is they're always talking about themselves. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Well, I think this, and I feel this, and it's my opinion that this should be the case. That's, that's, not, how, that's not how a Holy Spirit of God-filled person is. Instead, a Holy Spirit of God-filled person is saying, you know, you know in, in, this, in this verse, the Bible says this. You know, I, I read this in my own Bible reading this morning, and, and, uh, and, and, and do you know, do you know I, I was dealing with this at one point in time, and God gave me victory, and here's how he did it. And, and, and do you know for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to be with God in heaven? That's, that's how you can tell someone's spirit-filled. I think, I think probably most of us in here could do a little less, we could stand to do a little less talking about ourselves and a little bit more talking about him. And, and who, who produces that in the life? Because naturally you are going to talk about yourself. You're not going to talk about what you like and what you think and what, you, what your opinion is. When the Holy Spirit of God fills you, he doesn't make it about you, it's about Jesus. And pointing people to Jesus. Number, number two, those filled with the Holy Ghost do not hesitate to confront people in their sin. 22 and 23, look at it. Ye men of Israel, Peter speaking. 
He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You know what Peter's saying? Peter's saying, you, you did that. You killed him. You, you, you saw the things that he did. God was approving him. God was putting his stamp of approval upon him. And look what you did. Listen, by the same token, every one of us, every one of us who are spirit-filled, we can stand and we can look people in the eye and we can say, listen, the Bible is clear. All are sinners. You're a sinner. I proclaim that truth every week from this pulpit and I'm not ashamed to do so because it's true. Many times, many times, I'm careful to also say, and I'm a sinner too. We all are. Holy Spirit of God people are not ashamed to confront, they do not hesitate to confront people in their sin. Peter was not shy about pointing a finger at these people. Do you know so many people he was preaching to that day probably were in that crowd that were shouting crucify him. Probably were in that crowd saying release unto us Barabbas. Not probably, Peter said you were. He said you did this. Your hands are stained with Christ's blood. Can I just say that though, though none of us were there that day, your hands and my hands are stained with Christ's blood as well. Because it's, it's the sin of man that led Jesus to an old rugged cross. The Holy Spirit of God filled people are not ashamed, are not ashamed to take that message to the world. Not ashamed. We're living in a day and age in which, man, the wicked have, have completely turned this thing up on, on its heels. You can't say that. Yes, we can. Absolutely we can. Not only, not only can we, we must. We must. It's what we've been left here to do. Thirdly and finally, a message given by those filled with the Holy Ghost will convict and will produce fruit. Verse number 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Look in verse 41. Peter said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, verse 38, the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, I don't know how many people the Lord's gonna save this week, but I believe he's gonna save some. You know, every soul that is saved, every soul that is saved is a form of fruit bearing. Here's what our prayer ought to be. Our prayer ought to be, Lord, give us this week fruit that remains. Fruit that remains. There's a biblical case for that. Fruit that remains. But listen, none of it will happen. None of it will happen. Listen, I believe, I believe Chase, Brother Chase, you heard from a moment ago, I mean, he is gifted by God, truly, to do what, he's, what he does. I mean, to minister to children. Some of you some of you say, man, if you put me in front of 300 children, I'd lose my mind. And I would too. But not him. And God's called him to this. And God's equipped him for it. But listen, it, none of it matters. None of it matters unless we determine that we're going to seek the Holy Spirit of God's filling. We're going to do something a little bit different tonight as we conclude the service. 